welcome to Destination Leadership, the podcast for people interested in diving into the worlds of inspiring leaders to learn from them. I'm your host, Katrin Grunwald, founder of The Globe Team, organizational development consultant, and coach for first-time leaders. Welcome to the fourth episode of Destination Leadership. Today, I'm talking with Yuan Romfort. Yuan is the Managing Director at Techstars for the BSH Future Home Accelerator in Munich. So a real tech guy. And um, not only do we talk about the startup world, but especially about Yuan's leadership journey from leading a team of 30 people already during his university studies in France. And on a, I think, funny side note, This was a customer support team helping clients who couldn't get into the internet by their modems. So imagine more than 20 years ago. From this first leadership experience, we talk about all the way to funding his own startup in 2007 in San Francisco and now working in the Munich startup ecosystem. And whilst Yuan is a technologist at heart, early on he became aware of the importance of empathy and being kind to people as part of his leadership behavior and I would say life in general. He was recommended to me as an inspiring leader who openly shares his vulnerability with his team. So towards the end of the interview, we talk a lot about how according to Yuan, this is a sign of strength and courage rather than weakness. I think Yuan is an excellent role model of sharing his story, including successes and failures. And I really hope you'll enjoy listening to the episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. For this episode, I am here in the middle of Munich, really downtown, sitting opposite to Yuan Romfort. So welcome, Yuan, to the Destination Leadership Podcast. Thank you, Gretchen. Johan has been recommended to me, and we'll talk about that. We'll also, of course, talk about your leadership journey. But what um, I'd first like you uh, to share a bit with the listeners is what is it that you do? Who are you? What would you like to share as a, as a mm -hmm. starter? Sure. Uh, so, so currently, I'm a managing director at Textiles uh, for the BSH Future Home Accelerator, which is an accelerator with, uh, with BSH, our corporate partner focusing on uh, the future of home living. So you're in the startup world, exactly, which is interesting. Yeah. And that's what I really like about the podcast, that there's always guests from different areas. Mm -hmm. But you've not always been in no, the startup no, I, world. <laughs> so, I started my career about 25 years ago. Exactly. Like so if we move a bit along yeah. your career journey on those 25 years, um, let's look back towards your first team. Mm -hmm. Where was it? What kind of situation did you take over the leadership mm -hmm. of your first team? Sure, sure. So I actually started working when I was still at uh, university. So I was working during weekend. And uh, back then I was kind of a hacker, uh, which um, brought me to my first position as a uh, online uh, support for people having uh, difficult difficulties connecting to uh, internet. So I was working <laughs> back for, in the day, <laughs> back in the day, yeah, you know, modem and, and everything. Uh, so, uh, so I was working for one of the largest uh, ISP in, uh, in France and uh, during the weekend. And so during the first year I had, uh, you know, the typical uh, training and was taking a lot of calls per day, uh, sometimes like up to a hundred calls. 
Uh, and uh, it's not really sustainable on the long term, like you get really stressed. Uh, and, and the second year, I actually uh, started to, uh, to manage a team. So that, that's basically my first experience with, uh, with leadership. Um, probably part of this is, um, and we'll get back to that later, uh, initially I thought that my art skills, so like my ability to you know, work with computers and uh, do, uh, do fancy things uh, were really important, but what I discovered uh, during that first role is that my human skills actually are also quite important. And so I was one of those uh, guys who could really, you know, uh, tap into the uh, more emotional side of uh, the customers and kind of calm them down because sometimes they, uh, they call, they are very uh, angry or disgruntled and uh, I really need to calm them down and to, uh, to focus on, on, on their problems and bring them back to a good uh, state. So I guess then it was also based on your emotional skills that your back then line manager saw, okay, this Johan, he yeah. has potential. Yeah. Back then um, I didn't know, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> let's give him a team. Uh, you were still in university. Yeah. Um, and I think the team was pretty large, wasn't it? Or yeah, I'm, it was about, uh, it's about 30 people, something like that. When you were there, still a student, knowing, okay, I'm leading 30 people. What, with what kind of mindset did you went in there and what supported you to, to hit the ground running? That's a good question. Um, so, so, so first, I, I, I knew the, the team because I worked with them. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I know, you know what they were facing every day. Uh, so, and, and I like to see myself as kind of a pretty kind manager, I guess. Uh, and, and, uh, and, and so I was really trying to, you know, put that empathy uh, to, to work with, uh, with my team and, uh, and also to, uh, to help with the most complicated case, like generally customers who are extremely angry and just want to resiliate their uh, uh, membership. So um, that's, yeah, that's kind of uh, how it went. And then your journey continued yeah. <laughs> back towards a more tech world. Right. And what, how was it then when you, you were done with university and mm. you started working in the tech world and mm. then leading a team? And I know that you're also a founder back in mm -hmm. 2000 something a mm. while ago yes. um, in, in the US, um, being a founder and having your own company grow. Of course, that's another leadership experience. Mm -hmm. How was that for you? Yeah, I mean, that, that, was, uh, that was a difficult one, I guess, mm -hmm. uh, like, like all startups, probably. Uh, so, yeah, I, I co-founded a company called Sismic uh, back in 2007. Uh, and the company was based in San Francisco, so I, I moved there the, uh, eventually. And uh, initially, it was a really small team. I was, you know, like uh, during the first few months, I was... Uh, like one out of two engineers uh, working on this. And, uh, and then my team grew up to about 60 people uh, with a particularity that it was distributed all over the world as well. So mm -hmm. I had a pretty large team in, uh, in Bucharest, Romania. I had a team in Singapore. Uh, I had some people in France, all over the US. So uh, different kind of challenges, let's say. Yes. Leading virtual teams, or I don't know if they ever met in person, yeah, all yeah, of yeah, them. They did, okay, yeah. they did good. <laughs> That's yeah, a good yeah, to yeah. start. But leading virtual teams does have its extra challenges. Mm -hmm. um, what helped you there to get everyone aligned on a purpose, or uh, what were other mm -hmm. things important to so you? So, 
One really important thing for me was to travel there uh, pretty often, uh, especially in, in Bucharest because that's where we had the, the largest uh, team. Um, we had about 40 people at some point uh, in, in Romania. And so for me, it was really important to get face-to-face -face time with them and also go out with them and you know, have, have a beer. <laughs> Uh, because that's also how you uh, you uncover, you know, like potential misalignment and things like that, that which don't necessarily like. There's a lot of culture involved as well uh, when, when you work with uh, uh, distributed teams. So you need to understand their culture and uh, how that impacts their way of communicating. And, and for me, that was really important to uh, to meet them to. Uh, uh, really discuss with them uh, and to uncover, like you know, the the things that they would not tell me over a Skype call. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really I think a thing of trust, mm -hmm. of knowing someone, trusting someone, seeing someone live, which usually increases trust. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think back about this time where you have the virtual team. Uh, you're in a challenging situation, funding or starting a, a startup. Um, being a French guy in the U.S., in mm -hmm. San Francisco, having a team from all, all over the world. Mm -hmm. What were other things um, from an intercultural perspective where you'd say, oh, that's a, a real lessons learned for me as mm -hmm. a leader? No, I have quite a few of them. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the biggest one is, uh, you know, like when, uh, when I arrived in, uh, in San Francisco uh, and, and started to, to interact with the people on, on my team, in my company, Uh, I had people who actually went to my CEO saying, oh, Johan is rude. Mm -hmm. And my CEO being also French, he didn't really understand it because he was like, well, if he's rude, like, then what am I? <laughs> <laughs> uh, which was essentially because of uh, the, you know, the difference of culture, right? Like the difference of how you approach uh, communication. And, uh, and so being very French, I was direct. And if something was not, you know, like right, I would say, oh, I, I don't think this is right. Like you should maybe uh, do it that way. And so I was not really putting a lot of forms around it. And people felt really stressed by that somehow. Like they felt in, uh, almost in danger of losing their jobs. I, I had like someone who almost cried in front of me, like asking me, oh, does that mean that I lost my job? And I'm like, no, uh, but like, do it that way instead. <laughs> and, uh, and so that was a very interesting lesson. And I, I learned to adapt my communication style as well to, uh, to different environments and, and cultures. So instead of, you know, just saying things as they are, like I try to put a bit more forms around it saying, oh, that's great. You did an amazing job. But have you thought about doing it that way? Yeah, I was going to ask you for practical examples. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. And that changed a lot, actually. That really changed the way people uh, perceive uh, this, uh, this approach. Yeah, it's, I think it's also a kind of framing. How are people used to have things um, pointed out to them or framed to them? Mm -hmm. So adapting, still being authentic to yourself because you want things to be done right, yeah. but just framing it in a different way. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I guess another challenge is that at the same time I had to interact with, you know, teams all over the world. We also had like different way of communicating. So like with 
the Romanian team, if I would just put like a lot of forms around it, they would not really understand either because they're also very direct. So it's always, you know, like you always need to adapt uh, your, your kind of style to, uh, to people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah as, as a leader, this is something when I work with first-time leaders um, to see as, well, they might not want to hear that, but it's first of all not really about you. It's about the people you work yeah. with. Definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I think, uh, you know, like as a book I really like called... Uh, as a trillion billion, a billion dollar coach. And, uh, and I think one of the first principles in this book is that, uh, you know, your people make you a leader. You're not a leader, uh, you're a manager. And that's, yeah, people make you a leader. When you think back, Yuan, about the time in, in San Francisco with the start the, the startup that well your own company, and I know that you sold the company afterwards as mm. well. When you look back with regards to how you were leading the team, what are you most proud of that you have achieved through mm -hmm. your way of being, your way of acting? Mm -hmm. um, you know, so, so like maybe we get back a little bit to. Uh, to the company before because I, mm -hmm. I think it's pretty unusual stories that uh, I went through. Um, at least unusual in, in the world of startups nowadays. Uh, so I, I, I met my co-founder and like very fast decided that okay let's let's work on that together. Like we didn't really know each other. A week later we uh, we took a train to London uh, at a meeting with uh, Skype founders from uh, Atomico Ventures and uh, raised six millions. Wow. So uh, right away, uh, <laughs> okay, this is yeah. quite unusual, right? Good to mention that. Um, my, my co-founder was was also pretty well known in the in the tech ecosystem, so uh, uh, that's that's how it happened. And um, and then uh, then it really started, right? Because like now you have investors, you have a lot of money on the bank account. Uh, you need to produce something, and so uh, so I found uh, uh, you know some some engineers in uh, in Romania actually won. Uh, and uh, he, he brought his friends, like we really click well together and, and the team we formed really stayed together. It, they're actually still together this day. Wow. Yeah. So um, even after the company uh, was acquired, they, they decided to stay together because they really like to, uh, to work uh, with each other. So it was almost like kind of, a, you know, a small family. And so, um, yeah, I, I think uh, retrospectively, like, uh, you know, obviously we produced a lot of technology, so that's something I'm proud of because I'm, I'm a technologist at heart. Uh, but, but more importantly, we really uh, created a, a team that was able to really work well together. There was, you know, like no bad emotions in the team, like everything was really, uh, at least in the tech team, uh, <laughs> uh, everything was flowing uh, pretty, pretty well. Of course, a lot of stress. Uh, because it's startups and uh, and you need to work a lot and uh, you need to um, to deliver, uh, but uh, but other than that, uh, I, I think this kind of uh, connection that we all had to with each other uh, really helped to to make the company uh, what, what it was. Yeah, it's great that you, they are still in contact. So talking about long impact or long lasting team building. Mm -hmm. Definitely, yeah. Was there anything in addition to just having personalities that clicked where in hindsight you would say those were foundations with regard to building the team that we did really well? 
It's a good question. I think there's a lot of intangible things in mm -hmm. there. Uh, so uh, so it, it's really the case, you know, do you click with the people or not? And uh, how do you manage sometimes, uh, you know, the, the, the case of people who are also uh, different? Um, yeah. and, and we definitely had that, uh, kind of the aberrant genius, uh, so to speak. People who can deliver great, great work, but are much harder to manage, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so I had that, uh, and uh, we, we managed to, uh, to go through that uh, actually pretty, pretty easily by being, I think, a lot of it has to, to do with being kind with people as well, uh, taking care of them. Yeah, yeah, I, that maybe might link back to the empathy that you mentioned you yeah. already showed in your very first job. Of the jobs in between the first one during university um, and starting your own company in 2007, which were other learnings along your career where also in hindsight you would say, wow, oh, that's, that's something with regards to leadership uh, where I learned a lot. I think mostly uh, a lot of negative experiences, right? Like with other managers uh, yeah. where I was like, oh, I don't want to I, be someone yeah. like that. I don't ever want and to be like that, boss. I don't want boss. to be managed that way. So I'm out of here. <laughs> so I did that a lot. Uh, <laughs> uh, I also had some position where, you know, I was like the only developer on the team and I, had, I didn't really have to manage anyone. Uh, so I'm also fine with that. Like I'm, I, I like to manage people. I, I like to lead them, but I'm also fine just walking, you know, in my little corner and, and like coding all day long. <laughs> the techie at heart. <laughs> <laughs> What happened to the techie after you sold your um, your company in San Francisco? I took some rest. <laughs> <laughs> I had a kid uh, and uh, and moved to Germany. Uh, so that's kind of uh, what happened. And and when I moved here. Uh, I, I had not really, you know, like a good idea about uh, what I wanted to do. Uh, did I wanted to create a new company uh, or work as CTO for an existing company or being an employee again? I, I didn't really know. And so I just took my time to, to figure things out. And it took about a year, actually, so I really took my time. Uh, and, and just started to, uh, to build communities. Uh, so I, I built a, a few meetups, uh, which eventually grew, uh, grew pretty large and, uh, and got invited to a company in Munich to, uh, to host one of the meetup company called Stylight. And, uh, and they were looking for a tech evangelist. I was like, oh, that sounds cool. <laughs> At least the title sounds cool. Let's see what, what's in there. And, uh, and so basically the mission was to, to make the company known in the, in the tech ecosystem. So a very different role from what I had before as, uh, as a tech guy. Um, a role w which was, uh, you know, like way more social uh, and, and more about like creating a network and connecting with people and so on. But one thing that also struck me when I moved from, uh, let's back up a little bit, like the first thing that struck me when I moved from uh, France to San Francisco is how people were really uh, at ease to interact with each other, right? Like they can connect pretty easily, they can do small talk, 
uh, and uh, they have this uh, you know paid forward, which Techstars we call Give First, uh, which um, really help to build this uh, this network. So you know the idea behind paying it forward is that uh, it's a non-transactional thing. So if you know, you meet someone and uh, talk to you about the uh, company. Uh, how can I help you? That basically start by that, and, and I was really almost shocked at the beginning by that because like that's definitely not something we would do in France, at least back then. Like maybe it has changed by now, but um, but back then uh, it was not in our culture, and, and so that's something I, I really liked. Uh, because I could see the, the power behind it and, and kind of, again, like coming back to being kind to people somehow. Um, and uh, and when I moved here, uh, I didn't find that either. Here so, in Munich, in yes, Germany. Yes. Uh, and, and so I I started to also apply that. And, and also I realized that I got much, much better at networking uh, and probably you know, much better than the average uh, German <laughs> introvert tech guy, right? So, <laughs> so the few years uh, on the, the West Coast have definitely helped your networking skills. A lot. Uh, and so now I had this, you know, kind of superpower uh, and I, I felt, you know, that, yeah, I could do something with it. And so why not uh, kind of, you know, leaving the coding aspect for, for a bit and, uh, and even the leadership aspect to some extent. Uh, and uh, and build communities uh, for a living. So, so that's essentially what I, what I did for three years. Um, so as I said, like you know, the mission was pretty broad, like make the company well known in the tech ecosystem. Uh, that's it. Like do whatever you want, but do it. So I started to uh, to build even more meetups uh, and really bringing a lot of people uh, inside the, the company office. So uh, I had on average like two to three meetups per week, uh, every time with 50 to 100 something people. Uh, and in total, I organized probably like close to 200 meetups uh, in three years. And on top of that, I also organized uh, a, a conference. Yeah, the so Dahoam. Uh, yes. Uh, so when I started at Stylite, they already had the, the Dahoam. It was a small developer conference, like about 250 people, 300 max. And uh, and so the first year I took it over and kind of run the same format. Second year I was like, you know, let's do something bigger. And the third year I was like... The West Coast comes in again. Yeah, totally, big. yeah. Let's, let's, you know, like, let's have startups in there. That sounds <laughs> like a good idea. Uh, and also, you know, seeing that not much was happening on, on that front in Munich. Of course, there's Bits and Pretzel, which is huge, and uh, it's a great conference. Uh, and, and there's a bunch of uh, other little conference, but nothing that really, uh, you know, that I, I had in mind something a bit different, where like developers could meet startups and corporates and like having this kind of interesting mix of, uh, of people. So that's what I, I did. And uh, and so the, the last Darwin that, that I run was about like 1400 people. We, we did that at Zenit, uh, pretty, pretty large event and uh, yeah, great, great success as well. Yeah. And, and for that, to get, uh, sorry to interrupt, yeah. like, uh, I, I had to, uh, to basically lead a team, right? <laughs> because by <laughs> myself, that would have been very difficult. So I actually found a team of, uh, you know, people who wanted to join me in this adventure, like totally pro bono. 
and uh, and we we uh, we did that together. That's what I wanted to ask you next because the the gift first or the pay forward. Um, how did you then also bring that not just into the community building but also into your leadership style? Mm -hmm. Uh, in my leadership style, hmm, that's that's a good question. I, I think you know it's it's really about for me it's leading uh, by example, right? Uh, so it, first and foremost, it's about me showing how uh, how I really applies is give first uh, and uh, and showing it to others and inspires them to do the same because you cannot. Ask someone to give first. It just doesn't work that way. Like it, it's kind of a, a value that has to be learned in some way or, or another. And maybe as a feedback, I really feel that you are living it because having had a look at this preparation for the interview on your blog, there is so much valuable content mm -hmm. on uh, leading teams, on technology. There is uh, webinars, there's articles. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think it's, you're really embodying that. <laughs> yeah, I've, recently I've, I've uh, decided to, uh, to be a bit more out there and create more content and, and things that last uh, a bit longer than just like a you know like a Facebook post or, or something like that and, uh, and it's been a great experience for me because you uh, you know like you I get feedback all the time about these articles and like webinars and and the travel it's really interesting like sometimes I you know, right now I'm interviewing companies and like some of my companies are oh yeah I receive your webinars through like another guy <laughs> and like oh I was in Tel Aviv and I had an investor Uh, telling me that oh uh, you know like great webinar I send it to my portfolio company so that's that motivates me to uh, yeah, yeah. To your, do more. your content gets out there and I'll yeah. also for the listeners I'll make a link in the show okay. notes <laughs> um, you are coming to the recommendation because you know in this podcast it's usually leaders who are recommended to me as doing something special as having a specific behavior in leading the people they work yeah. with and the person um, who I know who recommended you said that you are someone very open to also showing vulnerability mm -hmm. and showing not just your strengths but also your weaknesses mm -hmm. so I wanted to know um, how do you do that how could I as an external person see you showing that um, how I do that that's, that's a good question it's really part of me like I've I've kind of always operated that way, I guess, um, by being, uh, yeah, transparent and yeah, as you said, like vulnerable, like showing. Because I don't think showing vulnerability is a sign of weakness. I think it's uh, it's more a sign of courage and strength, mm -hmm. uh, and, and that sounds counterintuitive for a lot of people, but uh, but I think that's also what makes people follow you. And um, and establish you as you know more of of a, of a leader. Uh, so it, it's something I don't do consciously. I would say almost uh, it is just really part of me. Uh, and, and really being again like kind with people and just sharing my experiences. I think is is really uh, and that goes a lot with vulnerability because you know I had a lot of failures. I had a lot of uh, things that. I should have done differently, and I love to share that uh, to uh, 
first to um, you know um, have others avoid the same mistakes <laughs> that I made, <laughs> and uh, and also I think it really creates a deeper connection when you can be that vulnerable. Like it creates empathy, and uh, and, and so you operate on on really different. Uh, level, I think, like with a much deeper relation with uh, with, with people. Uh, so, um, yeah. What are some of the examples where you would say, guys, that's a mistake I made? For example, with regards to leadership, mm -hmm. don't do it again. Just learn from my example. <laughs> I mean, it's always difficult to uh, you know to uh, to make general cases for for things, but like. Probably one thing that I wish I would have done differently when I was a first-time founder is saying no uh, more often. Uh, with being kind also comes some disadvantages. Oh, yes. uh, and I, you know, I, I had a really hard time to say no uh, to my CEO who had way more experience uh, than me. Uh, and, uh, and that, yeah, that definitely created uh, some frictions, let's say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, thank you for, for that very sure. concrete example. Yeah. I was also thinking if um, you had, for example, as I work with first-time leaders a lot, um, if you have a first-time leader who thinks, okay, I have to show that I can manage all of this, but maybe, well, Johan said it's, it's good to also show vulnerability, mm -hmm. but where can I start? What would you recommend to that person? Sharing your stories, I think, is a good way to, uh, to start. Uh, that, that's something I do when I, you know, when, uh, so we have the accelerator program and so we have 10 companies coming together uh, to work with us uh, for certain weeks. And it's a very, very intense moment in their lives. Uh, it's a very high pressure environment. And I like to kind of break down barriers from the beginning because if they are not fully transparent with me, Uh, it means that I cannot really create like uh, a trust relationship with them and they won't tell me everything. And as an investor I, and, and coach, I need to, uh, to have this trust relationship. So, uh, so the first thing I do during, uh, like when I meet those, those founders, like we have something we call a founder retreat outside of Munich uh, in a different environment. And we get together and I, I do my founder story. And during my founder story, I talk a lot about, you know, like all the fuck ups that I, I did uh, as a founder and, uh, and all the things I learned and kind of telling them it's okay. It's okay to, you know, tell me about that. Uh, it's okay to not feel 100% all the time. Uh, it's okay to sometimes have, you know, like being done and uh, needing someone to, uh, to give you and to, uh, to lift you up. So, um, That's uh, again like coming back to leading by uh, you know by example. I think it's uh, that's that's really something core to what I do. Yeah. When you put yourself in the shoes of that very young person during university uh, with your very first job, is there anything in addition to the things you mentioned where you would give yourself a kind of advice in hindsight? What would that be? Go with the flow. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, some, sometimes I, I, I think uh, I think it's especially true when you're you're co-founding a company uh, that you lose sight of uh, the real world, right? Like it's 
it's very uh, you're so focused on what you're doing and it just takes everything uh, from your life um, so I guess you know being also not only kind with others but being kind with myself would be like uh, an advice that I would give uh, in the sense of like don't neglect your relationship don't neglect you know, uh, your health uh, and uh, your mental health and, and so on. I, I think that's really important. Uh, and, and that's something that a lot of first-time founders uh, kind of ignore. And there's also a lot, like, the old culture uh, about it, especially, it's even more prominent, I think, in, in the US, you know, where you have to crush it and, uh, you know, like, hustle and... Uh, Anyone you ask, you know, even if you know that their company is not doing well and, and they're not doing well, will say, oh, yeah, everything is great. And just, like, cut this bullshit. Like, it's, uh, for me, it's really about, like, why don't you say the truth? And, like, mm -hmm. it's okay. It's fine yeah. if you're not doing well. Like, I can, you know, maybe I can help you. Maybe we can find someone to help you. Uh, you don't have to be at 120% all the time. And um, and I guess, yeah, I would give this advice to myself like <laughs> 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it also has to do with showing vulnerability mm -hmm. also already from an early stage mm -hmm. onwards. Mm -hmm. We've come to the last question already. Mm -hmm. so. <laughs> that was fast. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what we will cover with that last mm -hmm. question or if there's something more. Um, the question I always ask my guests in this podcast is an imaginary one. If you would have the miraculous power of deciding for one day what kind of leadership skill leaders worldwide should live in their behaviors with their teams, mm -hmm. what would that be in your case? Well, I guess we, we're coming back to vulnerability again. Uh, and, and maybe, uh, you know, like a, another thing that I've been doing more and more um, during the last few years is uh, what is called radical candor, um, <clears throat> where you, um, it, it's kind of a principle of leadership where, you know, you, you actually um, challenge people directly, uh, but with love. Somehow with care, right? Uh, and that's very different from challenging them directly without really caring about, you know, uh, their struggles or, or like what they feel and their emotions. And I think that that's very uh, that's very important in um, in, in those times, uh, an age of you know like AI coming up, and uh, there's a lot of questions about that, and uh, you know what is it gonna do to to the world, and and. In my opinion, if we can go back to more human uh, principles when it comes to leading people or to uh, building companies, uh, really having the human in the center is, is very important. And I think in you know, a few years from now, it's going to be even more important because a lot of our jobs will be automated. But uh, this empathy, this um, you know, like this uh, capability to uh, uh, capacity to connect with others on uh, a different level is very important, I think, and that's not something that machines will do in you know, like five years from now. Yeah, that I think are great uh, finishing words to bring the, and I know many people say it like bring the human to the center of a company. But from our conversation, I really have the impression you mean it. So thank you very much thank for you. your time, Yuan. Thank you. <laughs>
This was Destination Leadership, the podcast with inspiring leaders. I'm curious to hear what is it from this interview that you take away that has inspired you. Write to me via Instagram, Twitter, or get in touch via LinkedIn, all under my name, Katrin Wunwald. Also, if you have any feedbacks on the podcast or suggestions of leaders that have left a positive mark on you and you'd like others around the world to hear this inspiration too. I look forward to welcoming you again on the next episode of Destination Leadership.